want to make a disclaimer. We do not offer actual medical, legal, or financial advice on this program. These are our opinions and for entertainment use only. Fear is freedom. Subjugation is liberation. Contradiction is truth. Those are the facts of this world. And you will all surrender to them. You pigs in human clothing! Casting from my bunker in the Blue Ridge Mountains, I am Dean Ledwig, and as always, my lovely co-host. I'm Scott Dunlop, and I'm reporting from Lukenbach, Texas, in a abandoned missile silo. And, and we have a special guest today. Is Ken Stiles? Hey, Ken. Hey, Ken. Welcome. How are we all doing today? <laughs> doing pretty good. So it's that time again where, after we've introduced ourselves, we gender ourselves. So here we go. All right, my favorite. I've always wanted to be a non-binary Roomba. And today I'm going to be a gender-fluid glass of water. What about you, Ken? Well, as for me, I believe that I'm going to be a non-binary shiitake mushroom. All right. Okay. Now that we know who we are. Do we? (laughs) Well, uh, today, since we are a tech show, we're going to start with tech today. Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? So the first one comes from Facebook. Facebook says its AI is mislabeling. A video of black men as primates was unacceptable. So the algorithm strikes again. (laughs) Facebook is apologizing for an incident where AI mislabeled a video of black men with primates label, calling it an unacceptable error that it is examining to prevent from happening again. As reported by the New York Times, users watched the June 27th video posted by the UK tabloid, the Daily Mail, and received an auto-prompt asking whether they wanted to keep seeing this video about primates. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's down to this AI thing. And people use the word, the, the term AI way too much. It's not really artificial intelligence. It's down to how good the programmer was that wrote the code that, you know, actually distinguishes things in, in that respect. I mean, they're all just knowledge-based systems. They're a bunch of ifs and thens and for each. It's not actual AI. Well, you know, people can't even tell that most of the time anyway. But it, it's not the first time this has happened. Google's have had this happen before, and, and the, the article on The Verge goes on, this incident is just the latest example of artificial intelligence tools showing gender or racial bias. I'm not sure that that applies, but okay, with facial recognition tools showing they have a particular problem with misidentifying people of color. In 2015, 
Google apologized after photos app tagged photos of black people as gorillas. Last year, Facebook said it was studying where the, the al- algorithms trained using AI included those with Instagram, which Facebook owns, were racially biased. Now, come on. A computer can't be racially biased. Yeah. It's just wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's either, wrong. It's, it's not right or it's wrong. Yeah, there's it's, no bias there. There's no bias there. This this is ridiculous. The whole this, idea about artificial intelligence, though, is an oxymoron because it's created by humans. Exactly. Exactly. There is no true artificial intelligence out there as defined by, you know, what artificial intelligence, which it means actual self-learning. Um, you know, they got to pass what's called the Turing test. And it's just, it's just not there. It's just not there yet. Yeah, and to say that it's racially biased is a little bit ridiculous. That's, that's bringing it into a political realm. And all this has to do with they haven't trained it well enough. It's, it's still learning what it, what it needs to look for, and there needs to be corrective actions. There's always guardrails around AI and algorithms and things like that. Even, even in the systems that, that we use, they're quote-unquote AI, it takes them about two weeks to learn the systems, and as they get as they grow, they get a little more. They get smarter about the decisions that they're making, and the calls and the alerts that they're giving out. So, I mean, these things take time to work out. But to to say this is racially biased is a little ridiculous. And look, look. I mean, I'm sorry that 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 happened that way. I mean, I'd be yeah, a little course. annoyed if 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 it looked at me and, and said, said I was a pickle or something like that, you know, that, that might be annoying, but I don't think it's racial or that, that it mislabeled me. It's a machine. And I mean, is it really going to know that I'm a non-binary Roomba? Probably not. Well, then I'm offended. (laughs) As well you should be. All right. Moving on to the second topic. Uh, delay, uh, Apple, delays controversial child protection features after privacy outcry. Now, we talked about this last time and how this could develop into something else, into uh, mass data gathering. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's some other people that think that too. So Apple is delaying the child protection features announced the last month, including controversial features that would scan users' photos of child sexual abuse material following intense criticism that changes could diminish user privacy. The changes have been scheduled for rollout later this year. Again, child porn bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything dealing with child porn, people should be hung by their testicles and then beaten by anybody who wants to come by. Uh, I'm good with that. But, you know, it's there's... A couple of bad things that can come out of this. One is gathering user data and then selling it because that's the highest commodity on the internet is user data. Um, a lot of people don't realize if you're getting something for free, you are the product. You know, it's not the product that you're getting. It's your data. But also on the flip side of this is if they can search using a hash for certain uh pictures, videos, whatever, they can then create a hash for a certain document. You know, if you're passing a document that they don't agree with, whether it be political or anything else, 
then, you know, they can flag that as well. And now they can come after you for that, you know, which a lot of that goes to the PayPal ADL agreement, which they're wanting to shut down people for, it starts off saying illegal activities. And then it says hate groups, kind of connotating or, or conflating hate groups with illegal activity. Now, I'm not a big fan of hate, don't get me wrong, but, you know, just because a group does things you don't agree with, that doesn't automatically make it illegal. Well, that's true. And what we were talking about last time, the hash function, the MD5 hash mm-hmm. function, even though it's it's a good system, there is a flaw in it called collisions. So you can have duplicate hashes of the same file. It's a hash collision is what they call it, but it's just a duplicate. Mm-hmm. And so what if that gets mixed up and then somebody blamed for something that they're not doing, you know, like child pornography or these hate groups or anything like that. You know, like you said before, and like we've said on other podcasts, if it's free, you're the commodity. Exactly. So they're selling you or you're giving that to them. And and that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Just be aware of what you're doing is if you're the commodity, are you freely given that information? And there are certain things that I think the trade-off is worth it. And there are certain services that I will use that I am the commodity and I really don't care. And if you're in that group, fine. I am 100% behind, behind that. But when people come and they go, I can't believe that they were doing this. You know, it's the point to educate people about what they're doing, not that it's right or wrong. I mean, it's a business model, and it's well, completely I'm sure, legal. I'm sure it's in the uh, license agreement. You know that E U L A. Yeah, always, that everybody that reads. Everybody just hits accept. <laughs> I accept. I accept. Well, I mean, when you're updating your phone, you know, it just it updates without a lot of times without your knowledge that it's going to update. It just does, and then you know, you, nobody reads what terms have been you know, updated what differences there are. They just hit, I accept, because they have to, to be able to use their phone. It's all there, but if nobody talks about it, nobody knows. And, you know, you were talking about the inherent problems with the MD5 hash. It's a bit-level hash, so to make it really easy, when people, when you find out that somebody has logged into your email account, or logged into one of your other accounts, they may not actually have your password. They just came up with a password that has the same number of bits as what yours is, essentially. Trying to break this down into stuff everybody's going to be able to understand. Essentially, it's just it just adds up to the same number. It may not be your exact password. So now, there could be another picture out there with the same hash, that's not child porn. That's not anything bad. But you're going to get flagged for it. Maybe the FBI will come raid your house. Who knows? And shoot your dog. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're talking like SSO too. You know, it's tokenization. So you're sending you're sending that hash through there. They're not actually sending your password through SSO a lot of times. And folks out there, just a little tip. If you have something that has second factor authentication, use it. Please. Yes, absolutely. Seems like a pain in the ass, but it's definitely worth it. It is. It is. And Google and Apple have found the perfect business model because they sell you these phones 
they're $1,000, and then they make $500 a year off you buying that phone, which is crazy. These off-the-grid phones that people talk about, as soon as you connect it to a carrier, there's, there's no such thing. As soon as you install an app, there's no such thing. I had a person one time ask me, they said, how can I stay off the grid? I'm like, do you have a Facebook account? They're like, yeah, I set one up years ago. I was like, well, too late. You're done. Yeah. There's no such thing as being anonymous online. It doesn't It doesn't exist. You can't do it. Anything else on the Apple? No, I'm good on that one. All right, I'll move on to my next story. GM temporarily shuts down North American factories because of chip shortage. Here we Uh-oh. go, folks. Lack of silicates. Uh, General Motors parent company, Chevrolet GMC, Cadillac, and Buick was temporarily halting production of six of its North American factories as a result of the global chip shortage. It's the latest major automaker to be affected by tight supply of essential computer chips. Four of GM's U.S.-based plants will be affected. Fort Wayne, Indiana, Wentzville, Missouri, Spring Hill, Tennessee, Lansing, Michigan, Four other factories in Mexico and Canada will also go dark for several weeks as GM works to shore up its supply of chips. The halt production will affect GM's most profitable vehicles, including trucks and SUVs. So, where are we getting the chips from? Uh, Afghanistan? I think it's China. No, we don't get things from China. They don't have sand in China. Oh, I guess they don't. Yeah. No, they're using it to build uh, their new islands. <laughs> Actually, uh, I have an uncle that lives right outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, he was down here visiting back in June. And there's a warehouse up there with uh, 15,000 GM trucks right now. Or in June, it was 15,000 trucks just sitting there. Couldn't do anything with them. Because of the chip shortage. There's also in IT a big chip shortage too. Uh, things are getting delayed. We can't we can't get products, um, laptops, TVs, and what you're going to see is a lower priced consumer electronics. They're going to stop producing those and only put the chips in the higher end ones. Everything's going up. I mean, inflation's at an all time high. Mm-hmm. The dollar is weak. All these consumer products skyrocketing right now when we start looking at why our dollar isn't buying so much i mean we're basically being held hostage by china right now there were what something like 14 to 28 container ships off the shores of california just waiting because there's nobody to unload them nobody's nobody's wanting to go back to work right well i mean you know and that's been a, uh, a big concern for a while now is the fact that there are jobs to be had, but people won't come back to work. Now, this week ends the extra $300 a month uh, enhanced unemployment, I think that is what they called it, um, enhanced. It's a hell of an enhancement. Sit at home and get an extra 300 bucks a month. But uh, that ends this week. A lot of people are blaming that on why people aren't going back to work. It's like I was talking to to you earlier uh, before we started the broadcast that the Taco Bell near me, which Taco Bell has been known for the 2 a.m. burrito. That's where you go in the middle of the night when you want something, you go to Taco Bell. Well, the one near me closes at 8 p.m. now just due to a lack of of uh, workers. 
A lot of sad stoners out there. Yeah, yeah man. I can't get a burrito at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this sucks, bro. Oh, bro. You know, and you know, one of the big complaints, the, the for the people that say it's not because of the enhanced unemployment and it's not because people are getting used to working from home, you know, one of the big complaints is, well, there's no adequate child care. A lot of jobs are offering child care now. You know, they're doing everything they can higher pay, bonuses, offering childcare, and people still just aren't coming back to work. Well, the automotive industry is going to have a big problem. They're going to have huge shortages. And right now, used cars are going through the roof. I think Ken would know a few things about that. As a a matter of fact, I do. I see a tightening on all lines across the United States, whether they be cars, trucks, uh, you know, SUVs. availability is i'm watching day supply just get smaller and smaller and on you know certain auction platforms where there used to be 30,000 vehicles a day you know at one point at the low point dropped down to about 10,000 vehicles per day so so that supply of used cars uh, dipped 60 percent um it's now back up to about another 10 percent um, or 20%, so it's up about 20000 per day um, that I see. But the pricing, uh, the pricing that is the, the biggest difference. Cars now uh, on a wholesale level mar- at the marketplace are up five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 from where they were in January of this, this year. Hmm. This, this, you know, within the same model year, that, that same vehicle is five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 more. And that's tied directly to not necessarily demand, but supply. Because, the, you know, GM having uh, supplies of cars, Chrysler has the same situation. They got thousands and thousands of their vehicles that are parked, can't be sold, uh, that are waiting for chips. You know, so the consumer um, on this is they're paying an exorbitant amount of money for used cars, almost to the point where the disparity between new and used um, is, is minuscule. So you're off, often better off to go buy a new one if you can get one instead of paying for you know the same price or close to the same price for a uh, two- or three-year-old 50,000-mile vehicle. Mm-hmm. And the stock's just not there because but I drive by these, these car lots, man. They're empty. They're empty. And all these types of industries like the rv market go try to look for a a travel trailer or anything like that and you're not going to find one Mm -hmm. and there's a trickle down uh, across many industry lines and different and different verticals that are tied to this whether they're converters whether they're uh, 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 repair facilities um, and in suppliers to those producers um, for the parts they're not ordering parts anymore. Um, so it just affects so many levels. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, you know, a manufactured situation, I don't know. But it it's clearly affects uh, all kinds of different uh, industries, um, from suppliers all the way down to end users. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it's going to, you have an upflow and a downflow of everything out there. You know, in the auto industry, there is so many other industries that are tied to that both on you know pre-production and post-production you know and all of those industries are going to be affected and then again that creates more job loss 
And that job loss is being felt across all industry sectors. Um, and, you know, of course, chips, silicon, it's used in practically everything we do today. I heard recently of a plant that was slowed up in Indiana. A lot of those employees went to an Amazon facility that they built up. They're a huge distribution center um, and are now working for the Amazon, which is a digital-based platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't get those workers back at the production facility uh, be- because they're staying at, pl- at Amazon. Right. Amazon, one thing about Amazon is they do pay their workers well, and their benefits are, are pretty good. Uh, so, you know, people will go there and stay, but... You know, Amazon is just growing so rapidly. Amazon has more technical workers than Google, um, probably by double. Well, and they have the largest infrastructure, and the government, most of the government is on AWS. Yeah, uh, Amazon owns somewhere between 40 and 50% of all the servers on the Internet. That is uh, beyond substantial. Well, that basically makes them the Internet. Remember back uh, in the 90s, it was AOL that was the internet, and they were the backbone of the internet. And now, basically, it's AWS. And well, of course, Azure coming in as as a second, and then Google coming in as a third. Mm-hmm. I know that recently I tried to order a specialty battery, and a lead acid battery, just a small battery mm-hmm. for a piece of equipment. They were telling me at the at the dealership that I was trying to order it from that they would not see batteries until February. And luckily I was able to find an ion lithium. I okay, found that one. comes from Afghanistan. Yeah. I had to I had to find I had to buy an ion lithium, a premium battery, because I couldn't find the lead acid. When we talk about these supply chains and how they're drying up, and they are drying up, you know, we see it in meat, we see it in food go to your grocery store and a lot of the consumer products that you're used to buying, you're starting to see less and less of those. And then also you have the shrinkflation where they're selling the the product at the same price, but giving you less. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that you need to watch out for. You know, always look on that, on that little tag that they've got and see how much you're paying per ounce for something. You can see it go up or you're getting less for the same price. And they're having to do that just to stay in business. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it is trickle down, like you said. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations to where either go broke or give less or charge more. You know, you've, you've got to do something to stay in business. Well, you decrease the supply, which increases the demand, and then that allows for essentially a price increase where you're now paying the same amount for less product, which is, you know, essentially a price increase, but people don't realize it a lot of times because the amount is so small, they don't think about it. They don't look at it. It's like ice cream, right? You used to buy a half gallon of ice cream, and you got a half a gallon of ice cream. And then about 10 years ago, that became 1.75 quarts, a pint under a half gallon. And now you get a quart and a half. And it stays the same price. And nobody, it's almost like you don't notice because it's just a little bit less, a little bit less. Well, how long has it been since a two-by-four has been a (laughs) (laughs) two-by-four? Never. (laughs) I don't know if it ever was. I used to I used to buy root beer. Uh, and a few years back, I used to get a six-pack of root beer for two-whatever. 
And just one day it went to four. Mm -hmm. Just plain out went to four, the same price for 30% less. I mean, like. Exactly. I mean, that's it's been going on for decades um, as far as shrinkage or whatever mm -hmm. the, the term that you, you yeah, use. Yeah, we, we, try, we try to stay away from the word shrinkage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, shrinkflation, I think, is what they're calling it. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, so the, the part where it kind of gets scary is now you can't buy parts for your car. And now the truckers can't buy parts for their trucks. So goods and services don't make it to the metropolitan areas where they are dependent on those services and goods to get to. Any city only has three days worth of food, period. Right. And if trucks stop, people are going to starve to death. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's, that's the extreme, not, not, not saying that, but that's what could possibly happen. If they can't get the, the goods and services there, there's going to be a national emergency, and they're going to have to call the National Guard to truck those services and goods in at an exorbitant price, and then you get shortages, and then you get food lines. And when you get food lines, you know, when, when somebody's looking at their kid, and they're looking at you, and you got a loaf of bread, and their kid's starving to death, uh, you're going to get mugged. <laughs> That's yeah, what's going to yeah. happen. Anybody would do it, I think. I mean, I think so. you know, you, you've got you to look out for yourself and, and, your, and your family, and that's where society starts to break down, is when people are hungry, society breaks down. They said, you're only nine meals away from murder. Wow. I never heard that one, but yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, I'm about two meals away. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't take my food. I think um, you could go a couple of days without eating. Oh, I'm sure I could. <laughs> Though, uh, you know, it's like your your buddy uh, Bernie uh, once said that you know bread lines are great. It means people are getting bread. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a good dude. We're gonna talk about him a little bit later. Yeah. All right, moving on from the chip shortage. Here's a good one. Tech companies face pressure over January 6 subpoenas. Google, Facebook, and Microsoft have all received data requests regarding the Capitol riot. As Congress pushes for more details on the January 6th attack on the Capitol, tech companies have found themselves caught between a new request from select committee investigating the attack on the and the ominous threat from Republicans hoping to stall the committee's investigation. Well, Congress has to step in. I mean, granted... It happened there, whatever. But uh, the DOJ has lowered a lot of what it's looking to charge people with. You know, they're no longer looking at charges of, of seditious conspiracy. That's what they were really going for at the beginning. And they're not finding ev any evidence of any actual conspiracy. So, you know, they're not able to get that. So, you know, they're dropping a lot of the charges down to you know, in most cases, misdemeanors. Um, there have been, it's a little over 570 people have been arrested. At least 170. And, and I'd like a breakdown of this, if I could find it somewhere. Uh, 170 are charged with assaulting or impeding a police officer. Now, there's a huge difference between assaulting a police officer and impeding a police officer. I'd like to know what the breakdown is there. Those charges face up to 20 years in prison. And if Congress gets a hold of it, they're, you know, it, it, who knows where it's going to go. 
Well, we're we're talking about the tech portion of it though, and the and the thing that really kind of concerns me is these companies that we've told we we right. said earlier in the podcast that if you're giving your information away, you're the commodity, yes. but also all that information can be used against you. So the funny thing about data gathering is they gather all the data and they're not looking for you specifically unless you become a person of interest. Exactly. And since your phone records all of your telemetry and GPS location and where you at, what time you were there, and then they coordinate that with uh, cell phone towers and things like that or any posts that you put on social media, then that makes you a person of interest. And then you're watched for everything. Right. And, and we go back to that, what we said on the last podcast is is there are so many laws on the books, you leave your house, you commit two felonies a day. <laughs> right. And, you know, and also, anything you type on the Internet, anything that's out on the Internet, is not your property any longer. It belongs to the corporation that owns those servers. You know, if you make a post on Facebook and have your privacy settings to only me, and so that only you can see what you posted... You do not own that data. We talked about this too on the last podcast is is about DNA tests, 23andMe. Yep, exactly. Once you once you sign that piece of paper, your DNA becomes their property. It That's can it. get it can get sold to whoever that they want to sell it to, including the insurance companies, which can deny you coverage. That's that EULA thing that people don't read. They just click accept. Yep. And I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I I know that you're freely giving up your privacy when you get on these companies, so it's it's not it's not a it's not an issue of privacy because you gave it up. You yeah, really gave it absolutely. up when you throw your stuff out there. You you're you're giving it up. It's not that, but it just it just crazy when people are surprised when this happens. Yeah, there's the there's the tech portion of that as far as the the, the data collection and the you know the locations and, and all those things that they use. That where the issue comes for for somebody like me is because the tech companies that as they've demonstrated are, are so uh, slanted, and we have a, a government making requests to a biased these platforms that are so biased. Um, I see or feel that there's going to be a uh, it's going to be easy path for them to get into to to get that information. Um, because of political biases, whether it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. okay, um, I just that that's where it gets just dangerous for everybody. Well, that's where you get into suppressing messages, and they're they're not doing this for Antifa. No, of course not. Or, or that's or, just an idea. Or BLM or any any of the Antifas that that the twelve thousand uh, police officers that were injured across the country last year. Mm-hmm. But Antifa is just an idea. Though I've actually been at demonstrations where I have heard people scream, I am Antifa. So, you know, I guess it's a loud idea. So moving on, staying in the Facebook vein, my home state of Texas, Texas is to set a new law banning Facebook from censoring conservatives, but experts argue it's unconstitutional. I would agree. Texas is one step closer to enacting a law that would make it more difficult for social media companies to moderate political content. Both Texas House and Senate approved a bill earlier this week 
sending it to Governor Greg Abbott's desk. The bill would make it unlawful for social media companies with more than 50 million users, like Facebook and Twitter, to censor users' content based on political views or geographic location. This includes modernization actions like banning, deplatforming, or demonetizing users for removing posts. Okay, so I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, but this is crap. (laughs) This is crap. These are private companies, and I'm going to go with that. These are private companies. They can do whatever the hell they want, and they can be as slanted as they want because they are private companies until they become utilities. If they become utilities or they become news organizations, then that's a little bit different. But as private companies, here again, you know, go to the MyPillow guys thing. If you if you want a free and open Twitter, go to uh, whatever his Frank frank.com or some no shit. Idea what is. Yeah. There's I, a bunch I, of them popping up. I right don't now. know. I don't know what it is. I, I think you can, I think you can get on this platform and buy some pillows too. And some sheets. <laughs> I think they, they do uh, a quite a bit of monetization there too. This is crap and it won't stand up. I know that they're trying to make a stand and they're trying to put out a message and I get that. I approve of the message that people's voices shouldn't be shut down, even if they're wrong because free speech is, Speech for everyone, not just for the ones you agree with. I don't have to listen to whatever you say, and half the time, I don't listen to what you have to say anyway. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with that. If I don't agree, I don't have to listen. That's, That's a great thing about America. If I don't agree, I don't have to listen. And if I don't like your state's laws, I can move somewhere else. So, Please do. Please feel free to go where you feel comfortable. And if it's not here, find it somewhere else. You know, that's that's the great thing about this country. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. If you don't like the messages being put out, don't listen. Okay, so uh, now what you ended with, I wholeheartedly agree with. What you started with, I don't. Um, yes, they are private companies, but... They are a platform allowing people to, you know, air their views, whatever. They're allowed to ban certain views or even just delete certain views, whatever. Then they're entering in the realm of of publishing. It's either all or nothing. You can't do a, you know, a split of who you want to ban or delete messages from and who you don't. You can't make that distinction whether you're a private company or not. Well, you're kind of going on the equal time doctrine, which... which, Some, which kind which, kind which of. They, you know, no, I'm, I'm not really... I'm not really... I'm not on board with the equal time doctrine. They they, um, they enacted that for, for television stations and right. FCC communication. Right. And then until this stuff falls under FCC mm-hmm. or is a public utility or something like that, then there's... And, and I agree that they came out and they said, this is about free speech, and it's not anymore. No, not at all. It's only about speech we agree with exactly. under our particular, particular doc, doctrine. As a private company, just like any other private company, you can hold whatever views that you want to hold. And until that changes, whatever these platforms are, they're still private, or not privately held, but they're still companies. They're still companies that 
really don't have to abide by any of these regulations that they currently have on the books. Now, that's not to say that they shouldn't put any out, but currently there aren't any. Right. Well, that's where the Section 230 comes into play. Well, yeah, Section 230, I think, is a bit outdated and that they need yeah. to update it just like any any technology would. And I, that's going to happen. It's going to be slow. And and that's the great thing about government is sometimes it's slow so we don't make rash decisions, uh, knee-jerk decisions based on misinformation. Well, on, in this particular case, though, with the tech companies, um, I think they've been a little bit behind the eight ball. In, 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 it, in addressing that Section 230 um, due to the power uh, that these platforms have in uh, shutting down an alternative or different uh, opinions, which goes to a deeper issue of our legislatures who are entrenched by the dollar on, in, in our two-party system, both on, on the Republican and Democrat side, um, they are beholden to. This could have been changed years ago um, mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Um, they could have done something and addressed this if they wanted to. Um, so our legislatures have chosen not to. They talk, they talk a game. We're going to do something. We're going to do something. But it always goes, it's a, a nothing sandwich. It goes nowhere. Follow the money all the time. No, you doubt, know, who's- about, no doubt about it. Who's contributing to these campaigns? And that's both sides. Yeah, absolutely. That's all politics. Um, and I've said, I said this before, that I think there are people who get into politics with an altruistic vision that actually want to do good, but they find that to stay in politics, they have to become part of that corruption machine. Uh, or they will, they will get voted out. Well, to be president, you have to be bought and sold six times, they say. At least. Yeah. There's two in my lifetime that hadn't been Reagan and Trump. Mm. I think this Texas thing is going nowhere. It's a big uh, nothing burger. I admire him for making a statement. That's going to go nowhere. I only have one more thing on tech news, and then we'll move on to other things. China to halt more tech companies overseas IPOs. China plans to block IPO attempts by tech firms with large amounts of sensitive user data dealing another blow to the ambitions of the largest companies reported the move was to make it tougher for businesses to raise cash in a lucrative U.S. market and give further control to the government as it presses on with regulatory clampdowns on private industries. China's stock market regulator has proposed targeting tech firms eyeing for an IPO even via legal loophole that allows them to use unit registers abroad. The Wall Street Journal said, citing sources familiar with the matter. Officials from Chinese Security Regulatory Commission said that even firms in less sensitive sectors would need regulatory approval for IPO listings overseas, the report says. They don't want their data out? No, of course not. Why? They're just... They're just security-minded. So they have TikTok, which gathers all of our openly a part of the Chinese government. TikTok. Yeah, it's, their, it's uh, the Chinese intelligence agency runs it, yes. Yeah. It's like Telegraph is run by uh, Mossad. But they don't want 
their information getting out? No, of course not. They want to collect information. It's the goal of, of most uh, intelligence communities in, in countries is collect all the information you can and don't give away any. So you're telling me that China has better privacy than the U.S.? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. You know, the guns, the walls, you know, the, the actually welding people into their homes. It may have something to do with it. So for people who don't know, uh, we send all these manufacturing jobs and chip manufacturing and technology over to China. They immediately steal the intellectual property and manufacture it for themselves. They've been doing this for 20 years now since they got preferred status for manufacturing, preferred trade status. They've been doing this for 20 years, and they're given zero back. We've shipped all the jobs over there. We shipped the the technology over there. Uh, They don't create their own technology. They don't create their own research. All that's done in the U.S., they just take it. They copy it. They can embed whatever they want into it. Some things have been found out. Some things haven't. Mm -hmm. Uh, To make callbacks to China... Why are we doing business with these guys? Because they will do a week's worth of work for $2.35. Yeah, because of the dollar. Somebody's getting paid. Absolutely. Someone's getting paid to ship the job, to ship the technology. No one has is, is been able or had the motivation to hold these people accountable. Our legislatures, again... Mm-hmm. Okay, so there, there's got to be a motive behind it, and it's somebody's getting money. Look at U.S. interests are versus China's interest. Well, of course, I mean that's the foundation of what was to be what was to be called the TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have made almost free trade for China to the United States, very similar to NAFTA. But for China, they wouldn't even be paying the small amount of tariffs that they do pay now. So it would have, granted, it would have made a lot of things a lot cheaper. But just like NAFTA, it would have shipped all of our jobs to China. Just like when NAFTA was signed, all of our jobs went to Mexico. And for people who don't understand, you know, they use a lot of political prisoners, prisoners, quote unquote, and they pay them five bucks a month to sew Nike shoes. Yeah. All these all these shoes that people are paying hundreds of dollars for, I mean, they're, they're, their labor costs, they're not paying for health care. They're not paying for retirement. They're not mm-hmm. paying wages. They're paying them five bucks a month so that they're not called slaves. Yes. But they're indentured servants. Yes. Because if they don't do that job, then they're going to prison. Yes. And people don't realize that when they're wearing these Nike shoes and all this all this stuff that they're getting from China. Nike, Apple, a lot of the large corporations are, are in bed with the Chinese government so that they can do this. Now, not everything made in China is done this way. You know, I'm not going to say that because it's not true. But the large corporations like Nike, like Apple, you know, they are in bed with the Chinese government and they use this to keep their pr- their prices what the corporation pays low. Not the consumer price, because, you know, you're still going to pay $1,200 for an iPhone. 
you know, but it costs them fractions of pennies on the dollar. And let's not forget Disney. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, they're really Disney, in bed. Yeah. <laughs> they're Absolutely. really in bed with the Chinese government. Absolutely. Uh, what is it? Like half of their movie re- revenue comes from China. Yeah. And John Cena had to go on and in Mandarin make an apology for calling Taiwan a country because yeah. China disagreed. I, I, I just don't even know what to say. And then we just we just handed them the largest lithium deposit on the planet. Absolutely. Uh, Afghanistan. We, we pulled out of there with like zero warning. And Afghanistan has the highest lithium deposit in the world. And China's moving in to get it. Russia's moving in to put in an oil pipeline. You know, and what are we doing? Leaving them $84 billion of our equipment and our tech. A lot of high-end tech. Like our, I'm sure uh, they won't reverse engineer any of that. No, like our night vision goggles that China doesn't even have. Their military does, does not have night vision goggles the way we do. And China's moving into Afghanistan, and they will pay any amount of money to get our tech. Absolutely. The Taliban are now the best armed army in the region. They are. The Taliban has, has the, best, the best armed army in the world outside of the United States. Mm. Yay. We're, we're dunking it, guys. Dunking it. <laughs> and not donuts. And now for the news. First off, we have AOC calls on Joe Biden to replace the Trump-appointed Fed chair. They had to put that Trump-appointed Fed chair. He couldn't just be the Fed chair. No, of course. Uh, Letter seeks greater action on climate crisis and racial justice and money. It's all all interesting. Hold on. Trump's appointees terms at the Federal Reserve expires in February. The New York representative, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and members of the Democratic Party's Progressive Caucus have urged Joe Biden to replace... Jerome Powell is the chairman of the Federal Reserve as a part of the top-to-bottom makeover of the U.S. Central Bank. As news of possible reappointment of Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell circulates, we urge President Biden to reimagine, reimagine (laughs) the Federal Reserve focusing on eliminating climate risk and advancing racial and economic justice, they say, in a statement issued on Tuesday. Well, it's all part of the infrastructure plan because racial equality is infrastructure. Uh, The Fed is infrastructure. Climate change is infrastructure. Everything is now infrastructure. I thought infrastructure was like the highway system, uh, bridges. I smell uh, a little ESG coming. Power grids. (laughs) Power grids. Can someone explain to me what is racial and economic justice? Well, equality and outcome. So everybody okay. should get the same no matter how hard they work. All right. I, I, have, I have a story. Um, when I was, I was in the Army at the time when uh, the O.J. stuff was happening, the O.J. Simpson trial. And uh, I was working for a, uh, a black woman. Uh, she was a sergeant appointed above me, 
And we were watching it on CNN, and she looked at me and said, I know he did it. I'm sure he did it, but he should get off. I said, I don't understand that. If he did it, why shouldn't he go to prison? And she says, because of all the racial injustice that's happened in the past. Is that what they're, they're talking about when they talk about racial justice? Um, I don't know. I think it, they're really trying to make a something out of nothing. So they're they're using what they know, which is racism, racial injustice, to prop up what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so if they can control the money, they can control the people. We've already talked about this a lot. And they, in particular, now not to make this racial, but if you can control the people who have the money, if you hit them where it hurts, which is always a pocketbook, here we go, punitive punishment all over again. We talked about this last time. And if you can control the dollar, you can control the people. Absolutely. We live in a capitalistic society. Everything revolves around money. It does. I mean, to say that it doesn't and to say that you're above that, you're lying to yourself or you got a rich husband (laughs) or rich wife. The only people that are above that are the people who don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, it's like these kids that I see running around that that have these uh, uh, bumper stickers on their cars supporting all these different causes on their Volvo that they didn't pay for is like they don't have anything to worry about. So they have to find problems to worry about. Uh, If they had to pay their own bills and they didn't move out, you know, before they were 40 and then get a degree in executive basket weaving underwater that they have a master's in and they're working as a barista part time at Starbucks they would have some real problems to worry about, but they have to adopt problems. Look, this is just controlling the people all over again and doing it through money. Uh, it's it's the same thing with cancel culture, calling people out and calling people names. It's a shaming type of society that we've we've got now, where people you know won't mind their own damn business. They want somebody in there who who can kind of hide this inflation that we're getting that that's stifling, stifling. And the chickens are going to come home to roost when we have to pay for all this money that we put out. Now, granted, there are a lot of people that needed help, and I believe in helping people when they're having a hard time. If they lost their job, if I lost my job, I'd be the first guy at the unemployment office. I've done it before. But we're going to have to pay for it at some point down the line. This is not free money. It's got to be paid for. Well, there's no such thing as free money, though. A lot of people seem to think the government can just print more and and hand it out as they wish. Well, it does. That's why the inflation. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they're they're using Webster's and they're using the dictionary and they're using these words, you know, to reimagine our economy and our system and, and to create something different than what it was designed you know, this is the, the, the greatest country in the world, give, and you are given the opportunity to create, okay? And, and the government's job is to protect the people, not to take care of the people. And they want to take, they're setting it up where they're using words like equity and justice and social and racial justice to create this uh, dependence 
on government, and it's not uh, without motive. The, the, the motive is to have power and to control the masses and, and, and take away the initiative and to take away the personal accountability and drive that made, right. it, that made this country great. That's where participation trophies come into play. You know, you brought up a good point, Ken, you know, in that we give the opportunity. You know, the, unfortunately, a lot of people look at wealth or the wealth of the, that's in the country um, it, as one pie that needs to be divided up. You know, such that if I make a million dollars this year, you can't because I have to take from you. Instead, it's not that way. It's the exact opposite. If I make a million dollars, it's not going to stop you from making a million dollars. You know, the, the economy will grow such that you will get yours just like I get mine. Unfortunately, and I've seen this a few times now, there's a Visa commercial out there with um, Madeline Manning Mims. Uh, she's a, a former Olympic champion, and she makes a statement that I think is just beyond wrong, but she says, why is it that somebody has to fail for another to achieve? Now, granted, in sports, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it works. <laughs> but not in life, not in society. Just because I succeed at something doesn't mean somebody else has to fail. You know, and nobody has to fail for me to succeed. No matter what I want to do, except sports, and in that I would be the failure anyway. So, you know, it's not a big deal with that. But, you know, it, it, it's setting a a standard is setting a, a, a talking point that's now being broadcast all around the country. And people are thinking, you know, well, wait a minute. For me to succeed, somebody else has to fail? You know, am I a bad person for wanting to succeed? You know, it's, it's starting this, it's, it's helping move this trend along. There's enough out there. As a matter of fact, Right now, there's tons out there for people to go do and make money and be prosperous. Mm -hmm. So just, it's not like there's so many slots and they get filled by white people and nobody else can, can get in there. But that's really not what this is about because it says under his leadership, this is the quote, under his leadership, the Federal Reserve has taken little action to mitigate risk climate change poses to our financial system huh what does that mean the statement read pointing at the feds derating to his approach to climate risk policies for positive money global central bank scorecard which placed that? it at the bottom of the g20 group of leading central banks huh Look, man, I don't, I don't want, I don't want the Fed worried about the climate. I want the Fed worried about money because that's what yes. they do. I don't want the EMT to be worried about how my car's running. It has nothing to do with him. That's not in his wheelhouse. He needs to fix my body, not my car. What is going on? Do I do I expect a a, a doctor to be my financial advisor? No, no, but it's not throw, his job. If you can throw enough buzzwords in there, you know, it's going to make people think it needs to be changed. 
Powell has said climate crisis poses profound challenges to the global economy of and the certainty of the financial system. So, <laughs> one, one, one has nothing to do with the other. So, here, here again, we got carbon credits, okay? Let's break the carbon credits down for a second. So, we're going to pay so we can keep polluting. So, we buy the carbon credits so we can pollute as much, but we're only making a certain amount of people rich for these carbon credits. And those are the people at the top of the carbon credit scheme. You mean like Al Gore? Well, I didn't want to mention Who any names. I wonder if he's paying his carbon credits. I wonder if he's bicycling everywhere. Last time I checked, he's got a private jet that flies everywhere. Absolutely. And if not, he's in four you know, fully armored SUVs. Mm-hmm. In his five mansions, and his carpet footprint is that of a small town. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> but he has other companies paying his carbon credits. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a scam. It's it's always a scam. It's Absolutely. always about the money, and it's about control. The other part of this that, that we kind of got into is if you can make a person dependent on you, you own them. And Absolutely. so if you become dependent on your government, you own them. You own them. That's the basis of communism and socialism. Yes. Absolutely. So you'll do what we say when we say it. You'll be a good little pup or else you'll get whipped. Obey. All right. So I, th- <laughs> I think we've done enough on that one. Uh, the the other interesting story, and it, it probably was a tech story, but we're, we'll go ahead and go on news on that. So we were going to talk about OnlyFans uh, this week and how they uh, stopped their main business, which is porn. Yes. <laughs> and they said that they weren't going to do it anymore because punitive punishment. Yes. The credit card company said that they weren't going to support or allow payments on that type of behavior anymore. Right. Yeah, you cannot pay for what is actually legal because we don't agree with you. Now, look, if your whole business is based on something, no matter what that business is, you're not going to do it anymore. Hmm. Like Amazon saying, well, we're just not going to sell other people's products anymore because that's all Amazon does. Yeah. You buy something from Amazon, you're not buying it from Amazon. Amazon is just a pass-through. Right. They're a middleman. They're a middleman. Yeah. Uh, if they said, we're, we're not going to sell toilet paper and Pop-Tarts anymore, uh, they're going to take a big hit. You say OnlyFans, what do people think about? Porn. Porn. That's where they made their money. Well, they've done a about face. I wouldn't go on OnlyFans, probably because nobody would pay to see it anyway. Right. <laughs> I've never heard of it until today. But, but the, the thing is, is, is there, here again, we have a set of jobs mm-hmm. that is relatively safe, serving a purpose. Here again, freedom of speech, even though... You may not agree with it. Right. Still. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter what you think about porn. You're anti-porn, you're pro-porn, you do porn. It doesn't matter. You know, that's not the point of this. Um, it's not about the porn. It's about the banks restricting a company's ability to do legal business. And again, 
that goes back to what we were talking about last week with the ADL and PayPal, the fact that they're conflating certain groups with illegal activity, even though it's not actually illegal. They just disagree with it. A lot of sex workers have suffered some sort of trauma, you know, or have daddy issues or whatever. Um, I think being a sex worker is probably not the best therapeutic method out there. Mm -hmm. But who am I to say you can't do that when it's perfectly legal? Exactly. And that's, that's where we get into liberty. If that's, if that's your area, then go, go do it. Go be free. Go do whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just like anything else. If it doesn't affect me, I really don't care. Exactly. It's none of my business. It's only when people try to force things on me and try to uh, modify my behavior through punitive measures that it irritates the crap out of me. And that's mainly what this podcast is about is, hey, man, mind your own business. Stay out of my stuff. You know, if I'm not hurting you, it's not your damn business. Well, you know, and I'll often say, my freedoms don't end where your beliefs begin. But you know what? That is reverse also. Your freedoms don't end where my beliefs begin. Freedoms are freedoms. They are inherently available to all of us. They are not government-given. We are born with these inalienable rights. I think I read somewhere. Yeah. And I still have freedoms even though I'm not vaccinated. I mean, I don't gain more freedoms being vaccinated. I still have my freedoms. They were given to me when I was born. And I don't need a government or Air Fauci to tell me what my freedoms are. I can go and do as I please. Because the the vaccine through these breakthrough cases has proven that the vaccine, hey, man, if you got the vaccine, more power to you, dude. Whatever. Don't make me get it. Don't say I'm going to give it to somebody because you can still give it to somebody even though you've been vaccinated. So stay out of my business and I'll stay out of yours. But don't shame me because I haven't elected to go down your path. That's your deal. You deal with it. Exactly. Everybody has the right to make their own choices, you know, based on their own research, based on their own, you know, their own doctor's opinions, whatever. Do your research. Do what you want to do, what you think is best for you. I will do what I think is best for me. I don't, you know, degrade or denigrate anybody for what they do. You know, as far as as far as this goes and as far as anything goes, as long as it's legal, I, I really don't care what you do. Um, you know, I have a ton of close friends who have been vaccinated. I have a lot of close friends who have not been vaccinated. I don't differentiate between the two. I don't have a separate class of citizen for different people because of that. You don't have your own set of silverware that they have to use when they come into the house. Just a, a different drinking fountain. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying because half my family's vaccinated, half the family's not. And I don't care. If you did the deal, go ahead, man. Be free. Do your do your deal, man. I don't really care. And I don't think you're an idiot because you did it. I think you did what you thought was right in your situation. Don't make me do it. Right. One group is not smarter than the other group. Yes, they are. <laughs> Except Ken. Well, they think Ken's, they are. Ken's smarter than everybody. Well, yeah, I'm so smart that, you know, I made a decision. 
18 months ago that I was not going to uh, live in fear. Okay, I was going to let the information roll out, and, and, and I have not regretted the last 18 months of walking around town in my stores without a mask. Okay, and, and breathing my own excrement because, uh, because the effectiveness of masks, which is not there. Right, right. You know, and, and I was going to make a decision based on information, and I made a decision based on the simple fact that we, are, we have the flu, which is now non-existent. Okay, yeah. is it now a different kind of flu that has a 99.8% recovery rate. Well, the PCR tests, they couldn't differentiate between the standard COVID, which is the common cold, COVID-19, and the flu. It couldn't differentiate. That's why we had no flu, because all the tests showed one thing. It was one flu. It was one thing, because all three of them showed up as the same thing. They did not have the genetic material when they started the PCR tests to be able to differentiate the the flu from the COVID from the COVID-19. They didn't have the information, so it all showed up as COVID-19. Well, they diagnosed it as COVID-19. Right. It showed up as what it showed up as. Here again, it's about, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's about my civil liberties, yes. yeah. my rights. If you are feel fearful and exposed, then stay at home, wear a mask, get the vaccine, do what you want to do. That's your choice, Okay. I'll be respectful of that choice. I will not, you know, I won't come over your house and cough on you uh, that I might have been exposed or whatever the case is. Again, it's about so about the freedom of choice and the government telling me what I can do with my body. They've had flu vaccines for many, many years, annual seasonal flu. Do I get one? No. Okay, does that make me bad? Well, this year it does. Okay, <laughs> it, it didn't last year. Right. Okay, but now if I didn't get the flu vaccine, I'm bad. You know, no one's asked me to stop going to McDonald's um, because I'm obese. Okay, and I should change my diet and, and take myself out of a risk category. Mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody telling me that or shutting, you know, doing that, going down that path. They're just telling me to get a shot or just to comply. Right. And that's the part that's wrong. Exactly. So if we're gonna, yeah, if we're gonna do that and start charging, you know, like the airlines are charging their employees. $200 extra a month for healthcare, then all these people with type two diabetes, which is self-inflicted yep. should have the same consequences, Correct. the same consequences. If we're having to do this and, and let me tell you, I, that's being facetious because I don't believe that anybody should be forced and have punitive damages for any of that stuff. But if you're gonna if you're gonna come at me like that, bro, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it across the board. Let's yeah, do it across I, the board. I would say um, if you're a smoker, um, if you're a smoker, you should pay more. You already if do. Doing, you do. If, well, you do. Well, yeah. Um, well, my medical insurance rates were never any higher. But your life insurance rates are double. Right, life insurance. Yes, but medical insurance company provided medical insurance was never higher because I was a smoker. Though, if I worked for Delta, not being vaccinated, I would be paying $200 a month extra. Well, I am a smoker. And I would say, if that's the case, it should be across the board, and I should have to pay more for being a smoker. Because that is self-inflicted. 
But people like us who have no pre-existing conditions that have uh, healthy lifestyles, uh, we're not obese. Um, Speak for yourself. I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, th- the thing is, is, I'm not at a high-risk category, so right. why should, I mean, I have, I, have the, I have a great immune system. It's worked perfectly for me for the, for the last 50 years. Why do I have to do this? Why? I mean, I've been walking around this entire time. I have not changed my behavior whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I even continue to go to work. And I have been in the presence of people that have had COVID-19. So I- and I haven't gotten it. I haven't gotten sick once. As a matter of fact, I think because everybody was locked down, I haven't gotten even a cold. <laughs> so- <laughs> I, I, I read a recent statistic where 80% of our population has some form of immunity recently. Right. Well, there's a lot of people who have had COVID don't even know they had COVID. Right. 80% you know, they have the antibodies. 80%. We're going to move from one controversial subject to another. And today with us, we have Ken, and we're going to interview Ken today, or we're going to let Ken tell his story. But I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask Ken first uh, before we get into this. Um, just to make sure that, that we're all on the same page uh, so that nothing's inferred. Are you a racist? I am not a racist. Are you a massage therapist? I mean, uh, a misogynist? I am not a misogynist. A misogynist? <laughs> a misogynist. Uh, let's see. Uh, are, you, um, are you a communist? I am not a communist. Are you a Nazi? No. Are you a white supremacist? I am not. You think that would be covered by racists, but obviously those are two different things. Black people can be white supremacists. Do you hate anybody who makes their own choices about their sexual preferences? I do not. Hmm. Okay, well, that's strange because the story you're about to tell us, everybody says you're that type of person. So what we're going to talk about today is... January 6th, we're going to talk to a person who was there firsthand. Actually, we're going to talk to two people that were there firsthand. I was not, so I don't have anything to talk about, but I'm going to ask questions anyway and interrupt as much as possible because I want to be part of the conversation and I want the attention (laughs) to be about me. (laughs) It's all about you, Scott. No, I actually wasn't there January 6th. I was there in uh, November. Okay, okay. Stop the Steel Rally. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about what was a peaceful protest, but was touted as an armed insurgents on the Capitol and how uh, that has been mis- misrepresented. You know, we had the summer of, of love before that, you know, which was, which was all the uh, Antifa. Mostly peaceful protests. Mostly yes. peaceful protests. While, while, the, while the man who was giving the report, <laughs> the buildings were burning behind him, and he said mostly peaceful. Well, Except for that last bit when, when, when the buildings were burning down. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you throw a Molotov cocktail or two into a police department, it's mostly peaceful. Yeah. And they deserve it anyway. Apparently. And let's put this disclaimer out there. I believe in peaceful protests. I believe pe- pe- 
people's voices should be heard. I believe that the marches of the Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, I believe those were great events. Let's put that out there. And I believe that when, when the masses are dissatisfied with their government, you know, going back to Ben Franklin, the government should fear its people. Its people should not fear its government. Absolutely. We have the Second Amendment to protect the First Amendment. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ken for a little while, and he can go ahead and set the stage for us, and then we'll ask questions. All right, so a little bit of backdrop. Um, I've been fairly apolitical most of my life, um, you know, probably more socially con- uh, conservative uh, and fiscally conservative, um, but, you know, have also just under the guidelines of um, do what you want, but don't impede on me. And I don't, you know, don't force your ideology on me. I, don't make me force me to embrace something that I don't believe in. Um, you know, really didn't get political in, in my life probably until the last 10 years as far as taking a, a stand for anything. Is that when you got a mortgage? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when I saw, you know, I saw, you know, I saw things going on in our government uh, that I found distasteful as far as uh, what I was raised to believe uh, the moral fi- fiber of our country was based on Judeo-Christian p- principles. Um, and you love your country and um, in those type of things and, and personal accountability and responsibility and in what the role of government was, you know, so you know, that's just a little bit of a backdrop. Um, but I, I was at the November event, Stop the Steal, uh, in, in November. Uh, and, and, and I was there because um, of what I saw transpire on Election Day in the ensuing weeks <laughs> as, the, as our protracted election uh, closure uh, just got more skewed and more skewed. And it just felt dirty and 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 not right, um, and there was enough empirical evidence that I saw that was being presented by professionals, not by me, um, as far as bellwether counties, states, uh, different things, um, then water lakes that stopped f- f- voting counts, <laughs> and there were just some weird things that went on. To say, you know what? I don't believe what happened. You know, I saw this man who. Um, who campaigned out of his basement um, get 80 million votes mm-hmm. when I, I just, I found that really hard to believe. Um, and, and I think they used a, a uh, the pandemic to manipulate uh, our, our voting processes across the country. Um, and all of it, too many things just kind of just felt really ugly to me um, as far as the country that I was raised in. Um, so I, so I went I went to that event in in um, November, and what I saw at that event, okay, uh, was hundreds of thousands of people of all colors. There was there were the first thing I saw when I got there was there was a, a group of uh, African Americans uh, carrying a defend you know the the, the American flag with the uh, uh, with the blue stripe down, with the thin blue line, walking down the street was the first thing I saw. 
and I felt so good about what I saw. I felt mm-hmm. good about being there. I'd never been political, you know, active in this regard, but I was. I felt pretty strongly I wanted to be part of something, um, you know, whether it was going to make an impact or not, um, you know. And 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 I walked up, you know, from Freedom Park up to uh, the I, f- I forget what building it was. I think it was the Supreme Court. Um, yeah. And and on one of the walls there talks about our First Amendment. Yep. Okay. And, and exactly, exactly. It, it says the First Amendment on on, the, on this wall, and it was impactful. It was powerful, and and what I saw going on in our country, it was the shutting down of our First Amendment on so many levels, um, and and it was very in, in that part. It was frustrating as as an, as an American to see our processes getting uh, hijacked by whatever force it is. Whether you know, w- whether it's you know, a deep state, whether it's a, a par- political party, whatever, the integrity of our elections uh, was being compromised, and my vote was now not counting, and that to me was frustrating. So f- fast forward as we go through you know the next couple of months, um, in uh, w- with with the protracted. Uh, vote counts and in and, and different things and, and and more and more was coming out more information was coming out about um about the election just being hijacked um and and i was mad i was mad because again i couldn't see the results they didn't just it didn't equate to me um so the the call to, the call to DC for the rebellion, you know. Um, again, I wanted to go. I didn't know that my, anything would come from it. I didn't know what Mike Pence's powers were or not. That type of thing. I didn't know that it was going to change anything. But I wanted to go there and just you know be part of the peaceful dissension, okay, um, mm-hmm. and the peaceful voice that was there. So let me ask you this. Did anybody call you to do this? I mean, did did uh, did the president of the at the time did he call you up and say, "Hey, man, come on up and and let's overthrow the government"? Is that is that how that went down? How mm-hmm. how exactly did that happen? Yeah, that no, that's not how it came down at all. It was just a, a personal calling as as a patriot, someone who loves my country, um, and in my civil liberties is that we're, I'm watching be eroded and, and, and impinged upon, and now our voting system is being uh, hijacked. Um, no one called me to do that. Well, thank you for yourself. That's a little dangerous, don't you think? Oh, I didn't feel unsafe at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel unsafe at all. You know what? Actually, uh, let me take that back. I knew I was going to be in a sea of people that felt the same way that I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I also knew, okay, d- doing t- because I'm I, I'm not a mushroom. Okay, I knew that there was going to be some unsavory people there. There were going to be some bad actors there. Um, I knew that was going to be a, a presence. So I wasn't fearful so much that, but I was aware, I needed to be aware of my surroundings. 
right? I experienced that same thing uh, in November when I was there. And um, I didn't have any trouble, you know, walking back to my hotel from the rally or anything. But then again, I'm not an elderly person nor a small woman, uh, which seemed to be the people that were being attacked mostly. I saw many of those people who shouted, I am Antifa. Maybe they said, I am an idea. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty It sounded like I am Antifa. Um, they had umbrellas. They were dressed in black. Rabble rousing is, is, you know, lost for a, a better phrase. I think they were very unprepared for the amount of people that showed up. Uh, there was a, a cameraman there with some sort of facial recognition type software that was counting individual faces. And he said that there, that his software had counted 1.2 million people. It's possible. I mean, I don't know, but I know where I was by the Washington monument. Mm -hmm. Okay. That there was a half a million people there Mm -hmm. in, in my estimation. Okay. There was more, uh, people that felt the same way I did, mm-hmm. okay, about what transpired. There were more Chinese Americans, okay. There was more women, okay, um, more African Americans, and, and people from all walks of life there who felt the same way, the same frustration with what transpired and didn't like it and, and wanted to voice their opinion. Right. It was safe. Um, it was energetic. It was mm-hmm. positive. It was, yes. I was uh, When I was there in November, I had a, a radio station from Baltimore interview me. And he asked me several questions. He asked me where I was from and, and some different things and why I was there. And, and when he asked me why I was there, one of the sentences I said was that uh, there were just a lot of questions I think need answered. That, you know, I think there's enough out there to, you know, call this into question. And then he made mention of the fact that there had been no widespread fraud put out yet. And I said, that right there is the problem because we don't have to have widespread fraud. Pinpointed fraud in a few, five small places in the United States can cause this entire thing. Of course, when... That uh, that interview aired and it was in their on their webpage. All they put on there was that uh, you know that I was there and that I said that there were you know um, a lot of questions that need to be answered. That's it. He didn't put. They didn't put any of that stuff about the widespread fraud, which I think was a focal point for a lot of the media at the time. Is they kept focusing on there's no widespread fraud when it really didn't need to be. Well, the frustration that I felt, as many people did, is the willingness to just shut down the possibility that there could have been fraud Absolutely. underneath the guidelines and, and with enough reasonableness uh, to say, you know what, this doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. There, there was a vote dump at 2.30 in the morning. How yeah. does that happen? You know, those type of, just different things. And I'm not QAnon. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just a guy who loves my country. And, and you know, so there, the other frustrating part was that there were so many people willing to go along with what they know is not right. Mm-hmm. Okay, there, and, and I'm talking about the people 
in, in, in the media, the people in politics, and the people who vote, who want their vote to count. Yes. Okay. That they are willing to go along with uh, what has a lot of uh, makings for a bogus election. Well, orange man bad, and the ends justify the means. And that's disturbing. Yeah, the ends justify the means. That's the biggest problem is it doesn't matter what we do as long as we get what we want. And that's the problem. So let's let's talk about the I just googled this real quick and it's it's the top ten times uh Washington has been attacked. So in eighteen twelve, Washington was burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stopped that was a torrential downpour. <laughs> Uh, political infighting in 1856, uh, Preston Brooks of South Carolina and U.S. Senator Charles Sumner of Massachusetts got into a brawl, and everybody jumped in, so there's that. Bomb explosion in 1915 by a former German professor. Uh, World War One vets, because they were supposed to get paid, they went to the steps and disrupted everything. Weather underground bombings in the early 1970s. Anti, anti-war Vietnam group known as the Weather Underground planted a series of explosives around Washington, D.C. The group also detonated explosives in other major cities. Saul Alinsky. Puerto Rico separatists in 1954. Four Puerto Rican separatists entered the House floor during an upcoming vote as part of the Puerto Rican National Party. These individuals wanted Puerto Rico to be independent and not a U.S. territory. They were armed with handguns and shot indiscriminately into the House, wounding five congressmen. Bomb at the Capitol building in 1983. It ripped through the Capitol's north wing just before the blast. A caller claiming to be the armed resistance unit said the bomb had been planted in the protest of U.S. military actions in Grenada and Lebanon. That was an actual bomb. Uh, Two people dead in July 1998. An armed assailant broke through security and ran towards the office of then-majority whip Tom DeLay. With the effort to stop the assailant, two Capitol Police officers died in the line of duty. September 11th in Anthrax. On September 11th, 2001, tragedy swept the nation as terrorists hijacked commercial airplanes and crashed them into the World Trade Center in New York and the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. Fourth plane, only known as United Flight 93, crashed in Pennsylvania before it reached its intended target, the likely... Likely, the United States Capitol building was its target. Shortly thereafter, deadly bacteria anthrax was found on Capitol Hill, including the office of Senate Majority Leader Tom DeShell, DeLeish, I don't know, <laughs> of South Dakota, who was sent the letter laced with the fine powder. Then Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont was also sent anthrax spores. And then in this one that I Googled, it says mob invades Capitol building. And on, Ju- Ju- uh, sorry, on June 6, 2021, supporters of President Trump stormed the U.S. Capitol after he urged them to rally to the march there 
which that was never proven. They did this as the Senate was debating electoral college votes that were expected to certify President-elect Joe Biden's win, and the pro-Trump group pushed past police, sending the Senate into unscheduled recess. One they don't have here is Supreme Court Kavanaugh, which a Democratic mob stormed the proceedings, came in and disrupted them, but everybody didn't run out, you know, saying, we're all going to be, we're all going to (laughs) die. So, here again, they were, the they, were, they were beating on the doors and everything, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they they actually got in. They got in and, and and started raising a ruckus, but they were they were beating on the doors and and things like that. You know, this is why our capital's open, so the people can go say what their their beef is with their government, and that's why you march on the Capitol. That's why you that's do funny. it. Well, there's nothing in there about them trying to lay siege to the White House either. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> trying to overthrow the government, I don't think, was that was that your intention, Ken? Heavens no. You know, the the sea of people that, that I was there with, okay, we were there to let our voices be known, okay, that we do not agree with the, out, the outcome of the election. We believe that it was, it was tampered with and... and that should it be either put off until it's clarified or whatever it is. We, I don't know the legalese behind any of that, you know. Um, but, you know, we were there, and, again, there were people from all over the country, from every state. There were people there from Philadelphia. There were people there from Michigan. There were people there from, you know, were, you know from red and blue states um, who – just didn't feel what was happening was right. We were not uh, dog-whistled, if you will, to do anything. You weren't taking your instructions from QAnon? I was not taking my instructions from QAnon. I was not taking my instructions from anybody. I was there on my own free will to just be be there for my voice. And nobody there uh, with a megaphone telling you to storm the Capitol? Well, now that's a different story. So on our way to the Capitol, you know, I, w- I was there, and there were people, like, like I said, from all over the country, all colors, walks of life. And, and we were asked to make our way, okay? It wasn't storm the Capitol. It was, I think, to march peacefully towards the Capitol, okay? Um, and, and, that's, and that's when there was a movement going towards the Capitol. Now, in that process of going there, yeah, on our way to the, uh, on our way to the Capitol um, up the hill, um, there were people with megaphones. Now, they were clearly, and this is about a quarter mile away from this, uh, this long march in streets filled up, multiple streets going towards the Capitol, uh, suspicious people, if you will, um, with megaphones saying, come on, come on, they've breached the Capitol. And we're all, we, and the people I was with there were kind of looking, that's awfully peculiar. We saw in that, in that march, there was also uh, people that were in paramilitary gear mm-hmm. with, with camos and knee pads, helmets of different colors. Hmm. So 
not being naive, I knew and we knew to be aware that there was other things going on there than what most of the people were there. This was an opportunity for people to do some unsavory things. So in your opinion, do you think that those were agent provocateurs or plants or somebody to rile something up or what's your feeling on that? Without any doubt or any reservation, they were there to gin up, uh, gin up the crowd. Um, and by the time that we made it up to uh, n- near the uh, the capital, um, there were all kinds of uh, people that were on the stairs and on the scaffolding, and 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 you know the um, and I would uh, you know I would just say people got sucked up into it. Um, they got, you know, they got sucked up into the excitement and come on, come on, come on, let's go. It's like a mass hysteria type type scenario. of type of type of thing. Um, and you know, let's get in there and make our voices heard type of thing. Um, and you know, uh, it was clear, it was evident, um, that they were not prepared or purposely purposefully not prepared for the amount of people that they knew that were going to be there. So there's been a lot of talk about all the people that were killed. I remember when I first saw this on the news, and they were talking about 10 people were killed originally, and then that number kept dwindling. And then it came down to this uh, Capitol Hill police officer that was hit in the back of the head with a fire extinguisher that turns out he was never hit with a fire extinguisher, that he had a stroke, and then I've heard people say, "Well, he had the stroke as a result of the <laughs> as a result of the riot." And uh, that, yeah, I got to call BS on that one. If you're going to have a stroke, you're going to have a stroke. <laughs> but yeah. if it's my understanding, there was five people that died. Okay, not five people were killed. One person was killed, and that was Ashley Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Okay, the other five people died of heart attacks or other type of medical events. And those were Trump supporters. Those were people that were there to uh, voice their, their, uh, get their voices heard also. They didn't, they weren't killed. They died. So what was portrayed as X amount of people were killed is not true. Did you see at any time anyone carrying firearms that was a civilian? I saw no firearms by any civilian uh, at all. Um, I did see uh, some of those uh, bad actors that I just mentioned earlier uh, carrying golf clubs um, and some different things that, that, were, that were clearly there to uh, agitate. So then after it was over, you went back to wherever you were staying, got up the next morning, and, and what did you see? That was the appalling part. Okay, that was the stu- That was the part that was really uh, kind of shocking. Actually, it was at nighttime on the nighttime news, but also the morning news. Got back to uh, my hotel room and, and put on the news. Now we had no idea. There's a half a million people there that I again. Mm-hmm. Um, what transpired inside? Of course, yeah. The White House. How right. could we? We weren't there. We weren't up there. I wasn't on the scaffolding, nor were the people I was with. We were, you know, back in, with the masses. So you didn't actually enter the Capitol building. I did not. Okay. I wasn't. I mean, I was close enough to see 
uh, on the bridge there uh, that there was where there was no security, very little security. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, the f- there was no fencing. There was fencing apparently that was taken down prior to the event. Go figure. Um, well, I think we've all seen the video of of the Capitol Hill police officers just opening up the fencing and letting people in. I believe with instruction, come this way. Yeah. 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 So there, there so there wasn't there was you know the appropriate measures for. I don't care what the event was. I don't care. If it was, uh, it doesn't matter what the event was. It was clearly they were, uh, I believe, purposely not prepared for what, what was coming. And, um, but what I saw on the news that night was just mind-blowing. You know, they called it immediately this armed insurgency, this armed insurrection. There was nobody armed, okay? There was nobody um, that was there that was there to cause harm to anybody or to hurt anybody. Um, and th- that narrative that, they st- that the media stuck with and that the uh, political class jumped on has been absolutely distorted. And that's the part that's so frustrating. As being a person who loves this country in, 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 in the success and the liberties that I have achieved in this country um, get tarnished, you know, by this armed insurrection that they called it was mind blowing. And the person I was with, who was a younger person um, at the event, um, called me up, and we were supposed to meet for coffee. And he he called me, and he just said, "WTF." What am I seeing on the news? That's not what happened. That's not true. And, and he, you know, so that, that young person got a real dose of uh, uh, the spin and the dishonesty that's get, that takes place in, in our media um, to spin and create something uh, that never happened. You know, so you get to see it from two different perspectives, one of a young man and then one of, well, you're not young. We'll just leave it at that. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, but but, but for, the, for the young man to just kind of say, how can they get away with this? How is, it this, is this right? I mean, when, when this young man, I believe, was taught right from wrong, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, if it's... If it's you know not true, don't say it. If it's not yours, don't take it. If it's not right, don't do it. Um, and 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 to have that, have him you know f- experience that firsthand, to be part of that excitement and, and and good energy, not knowing what the outcome is, but just to be there, um, and then have it twisted into this bad, terrible uh, atrocity attack on our capital and our democracy. Um, the, that was the attack on the democracy. Was the media, in, mm. in how it was, how it was portrayed. Well, how do you feel about it now? Now that everything's died down, and there's, you know, we know the news cycle has about a six-week cycle that goes through different topics. It gets people all, all uh, worked up, worked up, and they're, they're and now work. now that the commission has saw that there was not enough evidence to prove that 
Trump whipped everybody up into a frenzy and planned all this stuff. And now that the investigation, the real investigation by the people who don't agree <laughs> with Trump say that, that nobody was actually killed except for Ashley Babbitt, which was killed by the, the police officer. A, name, a named Capitol police officer. Um, you know, how do you feel about the whole situation now, now that everybody's died down about it and they were like, well, that's old news. Let's, let's roll on folks. Well, it's not old news because they're going to, they're trying to gin it back up right now as a distraction to everything else that's going on in, 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 in the country. Oh, how, how great Biden's doing with Afghanistan. I didn't say that. And leaving, (laughs) leaving, uh, uh, an unnumbered number of of uh americans stranded the train wreck okay uh, of the decline of our country in uh, the shortest period of time with inflation and and our our uh, energy independence our status in the nation with our nato partners has just been blown up in six or seven months um but back to um the whole uh the FBI and in, in, in the committee, there is no evidence of any of him, Trump, trying to gin anything up. It just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's, it, this was that's not how it happened at all. The the other part to this whole thing is being categorized. As you asked me questions at the beginning of this interview, okay, and being lumped into this uh, category. Um, where uh, me being a, a patriot who loves my country, um, now being categorized as a white supremacist, um, as a in uh, in something that I'm not, and anybody that was there was one of those people, and 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 other people, okay, that listen to the news, then in turn believe it so i have now been ostracized by friends and or family for people that know that i was there mm-hmm. okay that i'm up there with my white beanie you know <laughs> as a racist white supremacist trying to overthrow our government and that's about as far from the truth um that that you can that i can imagine well, it comes back to, you know, perception is reality. And the media creates the perception. And people just believe things. It just blows my mind how people are so easy to believe whatever they're told. It's like I talked about, I think it was our first podcast. I said, a person can be really, really smart. People are generally dumb, hurting animals. Malcolm X, 60 years ago. Whoever controls the media controls the masses. Yeah. And, that, and we're seeing that, okay? And, and for people that don't question that, um, shame on you, okay? If you're going to believe what you're being told, okay, versus doing your own research. And, 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 and you know, if you got a question about what happened, okay, ask somebody who was there. Don't ask Nancy Pelosi. Don't ask... Uh, OAC or whatever she is, who wasn't even there. 
she felt that she was, you know, going to be murdered or whatever she said. I mean, but she needs, she's in therapy right now because of it, because of that. And she wasn't even there, you know, so that kind of stuff, ask me, I'll tell you what it was like. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be given the opportunity today to explain what I saw, what I participated in, why I, why I participated in it. I wasn't there with forks and, and torches, you know, <laughs> uh, trying to storm the Capitol um, at all. And nor was anybody else there. But there was clearly, like I said, um, it was an opportunity. It was a ripe opportunity for people to hijack it and make it into something else, um, which is what they did. Well, and this this theory or thought that, that we can't think for ourselves, that we have to have everything nerfed up for us, this is ridiculous. Uh, people need to make their own choices and think their own ways. I don't need to subscribe to a belief system, and I don't. I think for myself. I have my own opinions, and uh, that's what this podcast is about, well, is, yeah. is putting my opinions out there. It may not necessarily be, be the fact, well, but well, this well, is just well, what, what I believe in. I'm not, I'm not telling anybody they should, should believe this way or that way. But there again, nobody else should be doing that to me. I mean, even here, Scott and I have different opinions on, on several things, you know, but we can respect each other enough to know that, guess what? He is allowed to have his opinions, even if they're the polar opposite of mine. And we you know, could we, still be friends. Yes, we can agree to disagree. I don't have to hate him. This is that. This is that. My team versus your team. It's tribalism, and if you're not on my team, then you are the worst human being ever, and and I will not do anything for you. There is no tolerance in the, in, in our society. They're trying to take tolerance away and, and making tolerance, you know, a thing of that's of weakness or or not virtue. Where where tolerance is a virtue, you can do whatever you want to do. Okay, you can you can worship how you want to worship, you can be whatever gender thing you want to be, all those things. Okay, I don't care. That's your business. Okay, that's not for me to regulate. Okay, that's not for me to judge. You know, that's between you and your maker. Okay, but do not. Okay, do not force me to embrace it. Do not force my family to embrace it. Do not enforce children to embrace it. That's not your place. Okay, let you know, lo- love and tolerance is, is you know is, is needs to be called here in, in all arenas, um, and it's just not appropriate for you or the government to dictate what's right for me. On any level, religious, sexually, medically, mm-hmm. um, and and they're they're and and for to to say it's wrong, okay. Um, is not is just not how this country it was, it was founded on. It was founded on those things, religious liberty and freedom mm-hmm. and, and choices. It's not acceptable either. It's not acceptable. It's it's not acceptable. And I'll well, and, and and I'll stand against it all day long. You know, on principle alone. Absolutely. You know, I, I think one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest world historical events in my lifetime, is also what has helped to cause a lot of downfall in our country, and that's the fall of the Soviet Union. Prior to that, we all had a common enemy. And, you know, we could rally around that. I remember being a kid um, right all the way up until, you know, 
probably the early 90s or so. Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they remade that. It's North Korea now. But um, I remember, you know, the, the family would gather around the TV for the Olympics, you know, and we would watch the medal count of the United States and CCCP, you know, the Soviet Union. And, you know, I remember the Miracle on Ice, and I remember all this stuff, and how the entire country would rally around this stuff. We had pride for our nation. We had a common enemy. And I don't remember who said it, but there's a, there's a quote out there that's something along the lines of, you know, you make your best friends by a joint hatred of somebody hmm. versus a joint like, not a hatred of somebody, hatred of something. Uh, versus a joint like of something. Uh, and now, since the fall of the Soviet Union, we've not had really that common enemy. So, you know, we've went internal. Because everybody needs something to be against. Oh, they need conflict. Humans need conflict. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's not enough to have things that you are for. You have to have things that you are against. Well, it's just a sign that we have things too good. I mean, yeah. we're living in the best time in human history. A hundred years ago, if you got a scratch on your finger, you might die. Yeah. You'll get a you'll get an infection and you'll die because there weren't antibiotics for you to take. I have natural immunity. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's rub some dirt on it. <laughs> a lot of human illness has been eradicated. We've really nerfed things through through regulation, and, and I'm not one of those people who believes all regulation is bad. You know, that's that's why we have clean rivers and clean air to breathe. I believe there is a, an amount of regulation that is good in the mm-hmm. common interest that, that isn't required for. Uh, well, also, there's, there's regulation in finances that they keep people from just outright taking your money under a Ponzi scheme. Some regulation is good. We're as safe as we've ever been. As we've ever been. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we create these divisions among ourselves, which sucks. And our division is, I don't like what that guy says, so I'm not going to talk to him anymore. And he's not coming to Thanksgiving. Well, the social breakdown is that we have more in common than everybody cares to agree with. Okay, you know, but but you you take, you know, God out of the schools, you take God out of the courts, you have a breakdown of the family and reinforcement of what's right and wrong. Okay, corporal punishment at home, at school. You know, I'm not saying beat the kids. Yeah. Okay, but tell your kid no sometimes. Okay, if you want something, go work for it. Okay, just some basic stuff. Yeah, don't raise assholes. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't raise a bunch of assholes because those kids that you can't control are going to grow up to be assholes. And now they're in our government. Yeah. These are participation trophy kids. If we all believe we know what's right and wrong and we, you know, in, in freedom of choice and, and different things like that, you know, um, okay, so we align differently on some issues. That doesn't mean you have to hate me. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to listen to them to tell you what I am. You should know what I am. And if you don't, ask me. Shame on you. You know, look, man, if you want to be vegan or vegetarian because you like animals, cool. Awesome. I love steak. 
it doesn't give you the right to be an asshole to somebody who wants to eat meat and go, well, I'm better than you because I love animals. Okay, I love animals too on a grill. (laughs) But you do you and leave me alone. Leave me alone. And it doesn't make you better because you have a set of beliefs. It's this ridiculous idea that I bring awareness to a situation. Talk's cheap, son. Go do some action. If you believe in what you believe in, stop talking and start doing. I'm from Missouri. Show me, baby. (laughs) So you can talk all you want, and you can espouse how intelligent you really are, but unless you go out and do something, all of it's for nothing. Talk's cheap. Doesn't do anything. Go do something. You want to be a better person? Go volunteer in your, in your community. Go do something for somebody else. Don't talk about how good you are at something because of your stupid beliefs. And you posted a black square on your Facebook. Yeah. I mean, okay, yeah. wow. Well, that's virtue signaling. I'm, I'm more virtuous than you are because I did this thing. Now I can go on and go get my Starbucks and get on, get on, my, get on my iPad. And, and my, my job's done for the day. Absolutely. You know, it's like sitting in a closet hungry. I can meditate and try to manifest a hot dog all day long. I'm going to stay hungry. Probably so. Well, Ken, thanks for that story. I appreciate it. Do you have anything in closing for that before we move on to conspiracy theories? <laughs> well, that's a, great, that's a great segue to conspiracy theories. You know, I would just say this. Contempt prior to investigation uh, is not a good recipe uh, for anybody Um, because you're going to usually end up being wrong. So first up today is, and who knows if this is true or not, so just putting that out there. CIA is negotiating with Taliban, not diplomats, and they will leave Americans behind. Here's why I find this so interesting, is this came out on August 24th. Okay. So, hmm. And it says, CIA spy negotiating with the Taliban, not Secretary of State or the Defense Department or any other diplomats. CIA Director Burns has met secretly with Taliban to arrange this horrendous, demeaning deal. Burns worked out that the end date, and one can only wonder if the Taliban and friends are getting pallets of cash and gold or the $85 billion in U.S. military equipment enough. What was part of the deal? Not saying that's true, but it's a little... <laughs> It's a little strange that that came out before everything that we've seen thus far. And it kind of looks like that's what happened. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of holds true. Um, you know, it's it's one of those that it came out before we saw it, before things actually came about, and now we're seeing those things actually play out. You know, it said $85 billion worth of equipment. You know, when when I first heard that there were billions of dollars of equipment left behind. I was thinking like one or two, which is still, 
a ton of stuff. But $85 billion worth of our equipment, our technology, our intel, they just had a parade where it was our tanks, Taliban driving our tanks, Humvees, APCs, flying our helicopters in their parade. In one, on one helicopter, they actually had a guy hanging from a noose, swinging around. Pretty cool. The thing I think is funny is the general, the commanding general right now is worried about critical race theory. And Absolutely. that's all he's talking about on the news, but we're not talking about this Afghanistan deal. I, um, I'm on a message board for veterans. It seems like one of the main topics that come up has centered somewhere around either critical race theory or gendering and misgendering. You know, uh, right now the military, the ruling is on gendering. You take the gender of what you're born with, unless you've actually had the physical surgery done, then you can change your gender to the other. And there's only two. People are up in arms about this. And see, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know if it's, it's for publicity. People join the military and do this. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where that comes about because in the army that I was in, you know, first off, as far as color and stuff, the only color was green. And we were always told that, and I believe it. Um, the At the time, the army was... A higher percentage of African Americans were in the army than what was the national population was. It was like twenty five percent black, um, which our population is about seventeen. Um, and there was never an issue, ever, that I experienced or heard about. Now apparently there's issues all over the place. Well, it has. To, they've created the issue, and and for political whatever reasons to be woke and. And in, in that process, it just has degraded the morale of our current active duty, and you know, and just illegitimate—not illegitimized, but you know, delegitimized past service members' uh, reason to serve. And now they're trying to uh, again going back to uh, lumping people into categories. Anybody who was a Trump supporter is now a white supremacist and full of white rage. And, and, and they are searching for those people through their social media sites mm-hmm. and creating, again, the division um, that when you need to be cohesive. And the Army's supposed to be as far away from that and historically has been yes. green, right. not, not white, black, brown, or whatever. Um, so, you know, for active duty people as well as veterans, um, it's a terrible state of affairs. And I understand 90 or 100 and 30, I forget what their most current number is, have called retired um, brass, have called for the resignation mm-hmm. of Miley and um, George Floyd or whatever. Um, the, uh, Flynn? No, Secret- no? Secret- <coughs> Secretary of Defense. Um, the big guy that's afraid of uh, COVID that wears multiple masks. Afraid of everything. Um, they, they've asked, they've asked, they called for mm-hmm. all their resignations over this uh, Afghan thing and the, the, what they're treating with, as far as the CRT and the uh, and all that stuff. Well, you know, and, and back to the original story that Scott was reading about the CIA, you know, I've, I've, I've been saying this for about a year to anybody that'll listen, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't very many. 
But, you know, during the campaigns, you heard a lot of the media being an arm of the DNC. And at first I could see that. But I think people have it backwards. I think the DNC is an arm of, is the political arm of the media. And because it's a well-documented, well-known fact that a lot of media outlets, whether it's print, TV, whatever, have former CIA or current CIA people working there um, and other intelligence organizations. So these intelligence organizations are feeding the media to get the media to say what they want, and then the media drives that, which then drives our politics. What happens is you get a president in there that says something bad about the CIA or the intel community, you know, all hell breaks loose. Trump did it, and he was warned against it by Chuck Schumer. But Trump did it shortly thereafter. The transcript came out of Trump's phone call to the Ukraine where he asked them to investigate Burisma. That's really it. There was no tit for tat. There was no, you know, back and forth. That was it. And he was impeached over that. Now, Biden said uh, that, uh, what was it, the CIA came out, everything in Afghanistan was starting to collapse, and Biden called it bullcrap. Now, a transcript comes out from a phone call Biden made to the Afghan president. And in this, it's a little worse than what Trump did. But you're not hearing anything about this. This phone call happened on July 23rd. And this I got this straight from Reuters. So it's not like I got it from some conspiracy theory site or it says, <clears throat> excuse me, Biden starts off, uh, hey, look, I want to make it clear that I'm not a military man anymore than you are. But I have been meeting with our Pentagon folks and our national security people, as you have with ours and yours. And as you know, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things aren't going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. No shit. Then he says, ready for this? This is President Biden talking with the president of Afghanistan, President Ghani. He says, and there's a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. He's telling another president to propagandize what's going on in Afghanistan right now and not tell the truth, because the truth is what we've been seeing. And I think the intel community got pissed off at Biden for what he said, and they're letting this out. Because it goes on, he says, if you empower Bismala, the uh, defense minister, to execute a strategy focused on key parts of the population centers, and I'm not a military guy, again, no shit, and I'm not telling you what that plan should precisely look like, you're going to get not only more help, but you're going to get a near a, get a perception that is going to change the t in terms of how, um, and then he mumbles, it says, our allies and folks here in the States and other places think you're doing. You clearly have the best military. You have 300,000 well-armed forces versus 70 to 80,000, and they're clearly capable of fighting well. We will continue to provide, ready, close air support if we know what the plan is and what we're doing. 
and all the way through the end of August. And who knows after that? Well, we all know after that is absolutely nothing. Um, definitely not through the end of August, not halfway through August. We haven't provided them with anything. We allowed the Taliban to come in and take over Kabul immediately. President of Afghanistan on that call also said, look, we need help. One of the things he said was our military has not had a pay raise in 10 years. We need some help with that. What do we do? Get your Pentagon officials to call me so we can talk about how we implement something like that. Think about it. Their military, which 10 years ago wasn't making squat, has not had a pay raise in 10 years. If I was them, I would think this is not worth dying for. That's half the reason they all surrendered. We did not provide the close air support that we promised. We should not provide any support through the end of August as we promised. People wonder why Biden is looked upon as a buffoon around the world. All the leaders of other countries can't trust him, won't trust him, and think he's an idiot. Well, you go to the basic context of that Reuters story was you'll get the help that you need mm -hmm. yeah. if you do this. Yeah. And if you lie. Correct. Yes. We'll give you the support that you need if you do this. You know, and that's, you know, that's the story. Mm -hmm. You know, did it come from the CIA because he stepped on their toes? Maybe. Maybe. It, le it was leaked from somewhere. It was, it was leaked from somewhere. That's an entirely different phone call than what the past president had. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I think it, there's a couple times in there it's referenced as far as what we will do as far as help. Yes. Okay, whether that looks like money, whether it looks like air support. Specific things. Um, uh, of quid pro Quid pro quo. Quid, quid, quid pro quo, quo yes. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, and he's, this is not the first time he's done that. <laughs> you know, well, funny you is, remember the, uh, we're going to bomb you to hell. Yeah. You remember that? And <laughs> he doesn't remember that, but we, no, no. we do. One of the things I've been trying to think about through throughout this, because there's always something behind everything that government does. Somebody's going to benefit. And for the life of me, Throughout this whole pulling out of Afghanistan, I can't think of what the end game is. There was no end game. The end game was Joe Biden, okay, getting out of Afghanistan and not taking direction, being so prideful and so arrogant that he was going to make it happen before September 11th, come hell or high water, and without thinking through the consequences. Yeah, that's exactly he, what it he's, was. Hmm. He's that prideful and, and that stubborn. Um, that he that he made that decision, and and everybody's covering tracks or trying to cover tracks for him. Mm -hmm. When when the facts and the recommendations don't align with the decision, and and consequently the results are just catastrophic. Yeah, usually yeah. you can follow the money, and there's there's some kind of financial gain there. And I just look at this, and I'm like, okay, what's what's going on? Because we go into these countries. We clear out the old regime, put our own in. Mm -hmm. That's what we do every time. Yeah. We go in usually for resources or we're looking to get some kind of government contract mm -hmm. for a new tank or an F-35, which was complete junk, to line some senator's pockets. Mm -hmm. And I see this happening all the time. I just can't figure out 
you know, why this happened other than, you know, what, what was just explained is I, I don't, I don't get it because with politicians, it's always monetary. Almost. Monetary is actually secondary to power. And this was Biden showing he has the power. He wanted the legacy to say he ended the 20-year war before September 11th. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's, you know, they thought that, that, that Trump was this egomaniac, maniacal, crazy old man running the White House. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. The one that's in there now is. Well, Trump stopped the money. That's why everybody wanted him out. He stopped the money. Right. He disrupted the whole whole shebang. Yeah. And now Biden is funny. I was uh, reading a report about Biden in, in Louisiana after the yeah after the hurricane. He went down there, and I I read a report that actually called him the healer in chief. Oh boy! Well, you know, prior to the election, people thought of well, the true believers thought of him as empathetic, <laughs> and now. There's not a shred of empathy in that man's sympathy. Nothing. It's what I want, what I want it, how I want it. And, you know, everybody else in the world be damned. You know, which is what everybody thought Trump was. Um, and now Biden who actually out is. To be, who turned so out now, to be the most empathetic. Exactly. Most, I mean, absolutely. Well, look, on both, on both sides of the aisle, you're always going to have the true believers, and they're, they're going to excuse anything that they're person does it's it's gonna happen it always has happened it will always will happen you know it's like you're talking about somebody's kid their kid can be the biggest asshole on the planet but they love their kid you better not say anything about their kid and people feel the same way about politicians that's their guy and if they're stupid then that means the person who voted for him is stupid and that's how they look at it yep um, you know, unfortunately, this, you know, the news cycle here is so fast that by the time the 2022 elections come out, this will have been, or at least they're hoping this will have been corrected, fixed. Something will change such that this won't be a huge topic for the 2022 cycle. And it's, it's, it's possible. Uh, it's a long time between now and then. You know, people will remember, but will it be enough? I don't know. The problem is the Democrats need a win right now. They're falling short everywhere. They are so far away from Afghanistan right now or trying to get as far mm-hmm. away from it as they possibly can. Um, MU variants coming out, um, mm-hmm. the, the January 6th commission, something. Um, next is going to be the distraction uh, away from what happened here. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, our, you know, and what he does. I heard that his speech in Louisiana was just a garbled, uh, unrecognizable mess. Yeah. It just amazes me how many people protect him, too, in the media. I mean, they protect him, they cut it and jump there's, cut it. There's, they're starting to not do that so much. Yeah. NBC's starting to come out with some stuff. Uh, Shep, uh, Shep Smith. Shep Smith. Shep, like is well, he's actually he's actually talking bad about Biden. Uh, okay. For now, I mean, you know, the media there there comes a time. Well, it goes back also 
they what know, I was they, saying they, about they, the they, intel they, community. They know they're losing credibility. Yeah, the intel community, if they're driving the media and Biden pissed off the intel community, they're going to come out after him. You know, going back to what I was saying before, granted, it's a conspiracy theory. It's not proven. But, you know, it's starting to sound pretty reasonable. You know, and I'm starting to see some of this. But right now, the Democrats are bound up in a lot of infighting as well. There's Captain Intel right there. But, you know, there's a lot of infighting in the Democrat Party right now in Congress because of the new spending plan, $3.5 trillion, where the centrists think it's, think it's way too much and the progressives think it's way too little. There's also this infrastructure plan, which, you know, at the beginning of the show, I started talking about how everything is infrastructure different rights, different whatever, it's all considered infrastructure, and it's all in this bill. Well, Pelosi has promised to get that up to a vote by September 27th, this infrastructure bill. Well, the progressive Democrats said they won't vote on it if they don't get their $3.5 trillion spending plan. Good. The centrists say they won't vote on the spending plan unless they get the infrastructure bill. I mean, it is such a chaotic mess in Congress right now. Actually, the simulation is playing again because this is the same thing that happened during Obama's first term when Obama had the House, the Senate, Mm. and the presidency. And the infighting between the Democrats of all their port bills, the only thing that he got through was Obamacare, and that was Mm. it. The rest of it got stalled. They had plenty of time to do whatever they needed to do. They had the full run of the place. It's happening all over again. Republicans do it, too. I mean, I've seen it happen with Republicans, too, and they start fighting each other. It moves so slow that knee-jerk reactions kind of get crushed. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean everything good happens there uh, (laughs) because we get a lot of money that's spent that shouldn't be spent. A lot of our money, our money. Yeah. That goes to things that, like, gender studies in Afghanistan. Ah, that's working out well right now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's doing good. I was actually, when we started on this and we were talking about the, the military and CRT and and uh, gender issues, I was trying to think back when the first time I saw a transgendered person, it was on MASH with Klinger. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever seen a transgendered he was person. Just a cross-dresser. Yeah. That's all he was. Yeah. Oh, he's just a cross. I thought it was a tranny. No, he just liked to wear. He just liked to wear women's clothes. He yeah. was looking for a section eight. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. but <laughs> but yeah. So so I mean, yeah, we could go on and on and on about this. We got a little out of conspiracy theory and more into truth, but it's it's just well, they they, they really um, work together. Yeah, the best lies are mixed with truth. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, so that's the conspiracy. Do you have any more conspiracy theories for this week? Uh, no, I'm, I think I'm all uh, conspiracyed up. All right. Well, I just got one more thing, and it's UFOs. <laughs> Not a whole lot new in the UFO community this week, I guess because it's a holiday weekend. Everybody's got better <laughs> things to do. So it was kind of a slow news cycle altogether. Aliens are taking a long weekend. 
I, I did want to kind of highlight a story that was in Canada or Canada Danada. There's not enough A's and N's in there. UFO seen by two separate aircraft in Canada. Are aliens among us? And this little article comes from UFOs.news. I'm sure that's a reputable source. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Right up there with Wikipedia. Yeah. The pilots of two separate aircraft reported seeing a mysterious green UFO vanish into the clouds over the Gulf of St. Lawrence on the Atlantic coast of Canada on July 30th, reports say. Sources say. Uh. (laughs) Report posted earlier this month to the Canadian government's aviation incident database confirmed that these flights were witnessed a bright green object fly into the cloud before disappearing. The object, however, did not impact the operation of either flights. A Canadian military plane flying from a base in Ontario to Cologne, Germany, a passenger flight from KLM Royal Dutch Airlines plane flying from Boston to Amsterdam reported the sighting. So that's it. A green ball in the sky. <laughs> green aliens. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's not much to report, but <laughs> there it is. So there was a sighting in Canada by two separate planes. So that's better than just some guy out there. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, <laughs> and my butt hurt afterwards. It was pandemonium. It took my wife. <laughs> Thank you. So, anyway, I guess they're they're interested in the Canadians, but they better not land because, you know, they don't have free speech in Canada. So, they might not, if they don't like what they say, they might put them in jail or give they them might, big fines. Yeah, if they misgender somebody, you go to jail. That's yeah. awesome. So, I guess the aliens... It's ma'am! I guess I guess the aliens with uh, with all the celebrities who have moved to Canada since uh, since Trump got elected. Well, since Bush got elected. The oh first Bush! Time. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, Bush. Since, since yeah. two thousand, you know all the they celebrities moved, that, moved, that moved to Canada. Yeah, uh, Alec Baldwin's one. He's he's moved there several times now. Really? Yeah, they can have him. <laughs> Thank you. Please. I'm good. All right. Anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, you know what? Actually, yeah, one thing. I want to make a disclaimer. We do not offer actual medical, legal, or financial advice on this program. These are our opinions and for entertainment use only. Just and thought I'd better say that. We're not experts in jack shit. So. Hell no. There are a lot of people listening to this that are probably a lot smarter than we are. Uh, well, there are probably people in this room who are a lot smarter than we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we I'd like to thank old Ken Stiles for joining our podcast this week, and thank you for your story. I appreciate it. I am degreeless, and I'm glad to have been here. We'll have you back sometime. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week.